Hello, and welcome to the My Mind Matters podcast. This is episode three, and therefore I would like to welcome people back. Or, if you are a first-time listener to this podcast, I'd like to welcome you, and I really hope you enjoy the content. On the first episode of the podcast, I talked about how running has helped with my anxiety. And on the second episode, I spoke about my story and how anxiety has impacted me throughout my life. So I thought today for the third episode, I would talk about the different coping techniques I've used over the years to cope with my anxiety. In the previous episode, I mentioned that I had been suffering with it since the age of eight. But in all honesty, I never really tried to to cope with it in a sense until I was maybe in high school a little bit later on. That was when I properly decided to take action. And it helped massively because in the past with my anxiety, I used to just sort of let it out to my parents. And this helped me a lot. Obviously, getting to talk through the issues and what was happening was fantastic. But at the end of the day, I couldn't always rely on talking to my parents. They weren't always around or perhaps I was at school and something happened. I wouldn't be able to do it then. So I decided that I needed to come up with other ways to help with my anxiety. And the first technique that I'm going to talk about in this podcast is autonomous sensory meridian response, commonly known as ASMR. Now, I first came across ASMR when I was around 16 and I was struggling to fall asleep. My mind was keeping me awake. I would often look to my phone at night, however, in all honesty, that probably kept me awake more than anything. Then one day, a friend recommended ASMR, and when described to me, I was a little bit confused, somebody whispering into the mic as a means of relaxation to help you fall asleep. But in all honesty, I'm very open with my anxiety in that sense, and I'll try absolutely anything that can help it. Therefore, I I went looking for ASMR, and I found a few videos. At first, I I was a little bit confused. I thought it was quite strange, but then it did start to work for me. Just hearing somebody talk quietly, just it just tended to relax me. And over the years, you know, I found different videos of ASMR. I've listened to it at different times. Initially, I would only listen to it if I was trying to fall asleep. But even sometimes, if I'm I'm in the zone, if I'm writing something, or perhaps even if I'm playing a video game, I'll just pop some headphones on and listen to ASMR as a as a means to relax me. If I'm getting very worked up about university work or I'm getting stressed about an assignment, I'll just listen to a bit of ASMR. And normally, it does it does do the trick. It can calm me down. In terms of how long I listen to it for, can vary. Some nights I might only listen for about five or ten minutes and, and I'll fall asleep or I'll be, I'll be tired enough to, to actually put my head down on the pillow. But other times I can listen for an hour, two hours, two and a half. I don't think I've ever hit three straight hours of listening to ASMR, but I mean, who knows, that'll maybe come in the future. But it is definitely really effective for me and over the years as well, I've, I've sort of listened to and watched different videos about ASMR. And there's a lot of different content that you can find. People do role plays. I don't really like role plays. I think it's a little bit silly, especially when it's a one-way conversation in effect. And the answers that you give when they ask you aren't always the ones that they play along with. So it, it is a little bit strange. I, I quite just enjoy somebody talking and the tapping noises that get made on different objects and things like that. I just find it calming and it sort of reminds you almost of when you were a kid and your parents were reading stories to you in bed. That calming atmosphere, a, a soft-spoken voice, and it, it does just help you fall asleep. I don't know if that perhaps trigger something in the back of your mind that brings you back to childhood when you listen to that. There was always a time as well where I would try to listen to music before going to bed and my music playlist is certainly not a calming one. There is a lot of Eminem in there and there is a lot of rock, a couple of Alter Bridge songs. It's it's definitely not one that can help you fall asleep and I remember actually at a sleepover one time I had a few mates around at mine and somebody was listening to music on their headphones and I remember hearing Skrillex coming through and they'd fallen asleep and I just thought, how on earth have you fallen asleep? 
listening to Skrillex songs because let's be honest they're not exactly the most calming especially the likes of Bangarang but it was just it was almost funny in the sense I remember thinking back how on earth have you fallen asleep I was so jealous the fact that they could sleep to that sort of music and that sort of entertainment but soon I found ASMR and it has really helped me a lot I would thoroughly recommend ASMR to people I know from the outside it does look silly and perhaps a little bit strange somebody whispering into a mic and you listening to them when you're in bed it does come across as quite strange but it's it's one of these things that you don't know until you've tried it and that's exactly how I was with ASMR at first I was just not sure of it at all I thought it looked strange and of course the term tingles gets thrown around which is sort of that feeling that goes from the back of your head down your spine almost almost like shivers not to quote Ed Sheeran of course but that's the feeling that a lot of people get when listening to ASMR and I think I've had that a few times as well throughout my life just almost a relaxation feeling but yeah it is described as the tingles which in itself is quite strange when somebody says oh were you listening to ASMR or oh, how long in the video did you get until you felt the tingles yeah it it doesn't exactly sound good in that sense however I don't mind if people think it's weird because at the end of the day it helps me fall asleep, it helps me relax and that is the most important thing. I don't care what other people think. If it helps me, I'm definitely going to try it. I'm not suddenly going to stop because, oh, it maybe looks weird from the outside. It helps me. That's good enough. Of course, though, ASMR can come in different forms and sometimes in films people are affected by it. The two examples I think of off the top of my head are in Edward Scissorhands where he's getting the makeup applied to his face to try and cover up his scars and it's quite a calming moment, the, the woman speaking is very soft spoken and it's quite a nice scene but the one that always springs to my mind the most is in Toy Story 2 where after Woody has his arm ripped off the specialist toy manufacturer person comes to fix him up and he shines his shoes and he does all these things and he repairs him and there's music playing in the background and I always found that scene so relaxing and I just liked watching it because it was just so calming and quite often people can get ASMR from those moments or even in films when somebody's just speaking with a soft accent I'm sure there's a couple of scenes in American Psycho of all films where he speaks in a soft voice and some people can find that relaxing. It's it's definitely an interesting thing and in that sense I love the new innovative ways that people are coming up to find ASMR and how many different objects you can find. If you, if you look at these videos regarding tapping, you see standard ones tapping on bottles, pieces of paper, tables, but soon people start to find new things tapping on laptops, tacking on dragon sculptures. There's just all kinds of things that people are able to make ASMR out of and, and for that reason I, I like it. You know, it's growing definitely just thinking back to when I was 16, thinking about the various channels, you know, there were only a few of them out there who had over a million subscribers. Now in 2021, there's a plethora who have got over a million, some reaching 3 million, some over 10 million, to be honest. It is a really, really popular media now on YouTube and other platforms. Of course, it stretches to Twitch, which is an online streaming service. Normally, people play video games on that, but ASMR regularly attracts thousands of people every single day on Twitch and also Spotify, where you'd normally find your music and content like that. Podcasts as well, of course, where you will be listening to this, I hope. You can also find ASMR videos there. I'm going to give a brief demonstration now, just here in the podcast. It would simply be whispering up to the mic like this for an extended period of time. Normally, the videos last... 20 to 30 minutes. However, some videos do push the hour mark. Those are known as much longer videos and quite often people fall asleep before they actually reach the hour mark. Now, as a warning, I am about to speak normally again, so if you've turned your volume up, be sure to turn it back down to the normal setting. I'll give you four seconds.
Okay, I'm back to speaking normally now, and I hope I'm not too aggressive with my voice. But as I say, it has grown over the years, and I think ASMR is a really, really interesting platform. And even if you do think it's strange, I would advise people just to listen to it, just for a few minutes, just to see what it's like. Do a bit of exploring online, find the different media that you can find on the different platforms, and just see if there is anything that perhaps helps you, because at the end of the day, that's all it is designed for. It's just to help people out. So for me, ASMR is a very good coping technique, but I should state, it worked for me, that does not necessarily mean it will work for everybody. ASMR is very unique in that sense. It will work amazingly well for some people, it will have minor effects on others, and it will have absolutely no effect at all on certain people. So bear that in mind when it comes to choosing ASMR, it may not always help you. Now, the next coping technique I'm going to talk about are distraction techniques. And... This is basically what it says on the tin. It's a technique used to distract you from ASMR. Quite often people will count as a means of distraction. Now this can be done in many different ways. The classic example being counting back from 100. Quite often people trying to fall asleep will do this. You often hear the classic count sheep until you fall asleep. Another means would be counting the different objects in your room. How many bed lamps have you got? How many bottles of water are nearby? How many keys are there on your keyboard or your laptop? And things such as that. Or potentially if you're out in a car, you get a little bit travel sick, you may choose to count all the red cars that pass you by. I remember for me personally, when I was in the car with family, the family and I would always count different cars, but we'd each take a colour. And whoever came out on top, if it was a, certainly if it was a long drive, would, would win at the end of the day. Didn't win anything, but it was just a fun game. It was possibly another way of keeping my brothers and I from shouting and stuff in the back of cars as well for that kind of journey. But yeah, counting is one of the most common distraction techniques. For me personally, I do struggle with this as I often lose focus. If I'm counting back from a very high number, my mind will wander. If I'm starting from 100, by the time I get to about 75, I'm thinking about something else or I'm potentially thinking about things associated with the number 75 and then my grasshopper mind, if you will, will just jump to the next topic and then five minutes later I'll think, oh, I only got to 70, I should have gone back to that. Another method that people use for a distraction technique are doing puzzles. Word searches, crosswords, Sudoku puzzles, all of these are used quite commonly just as a means to take your mind off your worry and focus your brain completely because when you're doing a puzzle, quite often your full focus is on that, especially if you think about tests in school, obviously you do sort of get into the zone and that can be the same, especially if you're doing a crossword and it's a very difficult answer or if it's a word search and there's one certain word that you're determined to find or potentially as well Sudoku, that's quite a tricking one obviously with numbers in the nine squares. I have played that a few times. So quite often puzzles can be the way forward. I know a lot of older people choose to do puzzles. Obviously you get a crossword in a newspaper. I know people who get certain newspapers such as the Herald specifically for the crossword and the news that comes along with it is almost extra information which I do find quite funny but if it works for them it works for them. I'm not judging that at all. Of course as well I do do puzzles occasionally but I'm just not that fond of them. It's the same way as counting. I, I often lose focus when I'm doing a puzzle or potentially get a little bit bored. I don't know if that's because throughout my life I've never really been that big a fan. I've possibly grown up more in the digital age and therefore I'll, I'll go to a film or a video game to, to take my mind off things, possibly a computer or a laptop. And just sitting down with a pen and paper doesn't always do it for me for a puzzle sense, so I, I can understand that. There are plenty of apps as well you can get on your phone in which people can do a puzzle to just take their mind off things. You know, I, I would often play chess when I was younger. I think looking back to that, it's not a puzzle per se. It would perhaps be a pleasurable activity, which I'll get onto later on in this podcast. But 
chess was always something that I was younger. I'm quite happy I learned how to play it because I did use it quite often to take my mind off other things. And it was quite a, a thought-provoking game that would last for quite a while, even if you were playing against yourself in that sense when you could turn the board around. I, I didn't play against myself that often, to be perfectly honest. There was apps and other online versions or people at home. But even if you wanted to, to keep flipping the board around, it was it was certainly a funny way of doing things. And another thing would be sports. Now, sports fits into distraction techniques and pleasurable activities. And obviously, a sport can distract you. If you're, if you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling nervous, you may just want to get outside and jog, run, play a game of football with your friends, basketball, table tennis, golf. Golf can be quite relaxing, I believe, out on the course, especially on a nice day. Although in Scotland, although it's famous for golf, you don't always get the nice days. So it can definitely be a, an interesting one in that sense. And Obviously, sports are quite accessible for people. You know, you anybody can run. You don't always have the best tracks, but you can get out. If you don't have a football pitch nearby or something like that, it's it's always a bit tricky. And, of course, another sport which is commonly done almost every single day would be walking. It's not always known as a sport, but it is physical activity that can get you outside, clear your mind. For me personally, walking is absolutely fantastic. If I'm stuck inside all day, especially if I'm revising for an exam or doing a test, just getting outside, even for 30 minutes, just to have a little stroll around whatever area you live in can be absolutely fantastic and it can be very, very good to clear your mind, be alone with your thoughts and etc. And one of the final things I want to mention on distraction techniques are fidget toys, which are quite a new thing to be perfectly honest. I mean, we've always been fidgety as human beings. I I'm particularly fidgety. If I'm sitting, I've got a pen in my hand here. I will click it constantly, even if I'm not working. Even if I'm sitting on my laptop, well, I would break it if I did that. But even if I'm on my laptop doing some work, if there's a pen nearby, I'll probably pick it up and just keep clicking it, even if I'm not using it at all, just to have something in the background. And of course, it was quite a common thing I think in the summer of 2017 and 2018 that fidget spinners became a, a new craze and a lot of people had them and I remember in high school people would, would show off their fidget spinners and all the special different branding that they had on them but I honestly find fidget spinners brilliant, if nothing else, not for necessarily entertainment but for the distraction. They take my mind off things, I can just spin them, sit away at my desk if I'm doing something else. I won't even think about it, I'll just keep spinning it and then I'll suddenly look at my hand and think, oh, when did I start to do that? So yeah, fidget spinners for me work quite well, but as do other fidget toys, you often find little knickknacks, little infinity cubes or Rubik's cubes that you can just play away with while you're doing something else. Of course, I should state as well, for all these coping techniques I'm mentioning, I've got an article about ASMR on the website and I've got an article about distraction techniques. I'll also have articles on other coping techniques I mentioned today. Now, on these articles, you will find the description of what the coping technique is, but I'll also be giving my experiences by using that coping technique. I'll be talking about how I've used ASMR in the past and how I've used distraction techniques, so be sure to check those out. Now, the next coping technique that I'm going to talk about, I think is my personal favourite. I think it works the best for me, and I also enjoy doing it the most. It is quite fitting that I say I enjoy it, as the name of the coping technique is pleasurable activities. Now, again, similar to distraction techniques, this is sort of what it says in the tin. Pleasurable activities are doing things that you enjoy. For me, that is running, watching a film, or playing video games as just three examples. I do this as a means to not only distract me from ASMR, but also keep my mind away. There's quite a link that you can make between distraction techniques and pleasurable activities. 
And as well, pleasurable activities are a way of rewarding yourself. Quite often with anxiety and stress, you can feel down. And therefore, by doing a pleasurable activity, you can not only take your mind off it, but it can also lift up your mood and hopefully improve your day. I will start off by talking about running. Not too much time, of course, because the first podcast that I made, I spoke about running. But I use running as not only a distraction technique, but also as one of my main pleasurable activities. It has become part of my daily routine now, and I absolutely love doing it. My anxiety gets high, or if I'm feeling a little bit stressed and nervous, I'll go for a run and instantly things can become better. The other distraction technique that I absolutely love, especially during lockdown and the pandemic, is watching a film. I am a massive film fan. I'm not a film critic by any stretch of the imagination. I'd be far too generous if I'm being honest to certain films. But I love just sitting down and that escape from reality you get when you watch a film. Going to the cinema is one of, well, it was before the pandemic, of course, one of my favourite activities to do with pals because it was just great going into the cinema, sitting down, as I say, for two hours, you just forget the outside world. You even turn your phone off, or at least I hope people do in the cinema because it can be distracting is to just escape from reality and watch a film and it's absolutely fantastic, I love doing it. And even at home watching a film, watching a TV series, obviously Netflix, Amazon Prime, Sky, Now TV, Twitch as well, watching video games could probably come under this category. It's just a great way to just relax and enjoy things. Disney Plus, another one that came out recently, I think that came out just before lockdown in the United Kingdom, which in a sense, well back in 2020, the first lockdown, was the perfect time for a platform of that description to come out. Obviously as well, Disney Plus holds the rights to the Marvel films, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Star Wars films, Pirates of the Caribbean. It has got a fantastic range of films on there. So for me personally, I had plenty to watch during lockdown. At times it did become a little bit boring when you were sat in your room, you know, you talk about the classic movie Doovie Day when you were sick in school and you would just sit and watch films all day or a little bit of daytime television. It did become a little bit boring because you were just sat in your room, your living room, whatever room you were watching the film in, and it was just sort of the same daily activity. Quite often what I would do is I would try and find series. So the Harry Potter series, the Lord of the Rings series, Pirates of the Caribbean, you get this, you get the script. So what I would do is I would watch the first film and then I would be determined to watch the second one and then the third one and then the fourth, however many that franchise had in it because I didn't want to just watch a film and then be left back in lockdown. If I knew there were more films to come, and then I knew I would have something to set my mind to. Of course, at the time, I didn't have university, so there wasn't too much else going on to keep my brain, you know, active. One of the things I did do, though, at the time was watch the Marvel Cinematic Universe films, and there were over 20 of them during lockdown, all around two hours to two and a half hours each. So that took plenty of time. And it was absolutely great, to be honest, because I wasn't the only one. Quite a few pals were also doing the same, watching them in chronological order and rating them on how we thought they were in terms of the overall series. The app Letterboxd, so that's spelled L-E-T-T-E-R-B-O-X-D, is a fantastic site that a lot of us found during lockdown in which people can go on, give a film a rating out of five stars, you can do half stars as well, and then you can also write a review on it. So quite often, all of us in our group would watch the same film, and therefore we'd give our thoughts and opinions on it, and it would be quite interesting to see how our views differed on the certain film. For the MCU, obviously, it's one of the most popular film franchises in the world, so it was absolutely fantastic. Another franchise is the James Bond. I don't know whether to call it a series or a franchise. I think I would go more with franchise, because obviously they are all films, but they're not always in chronological order. Of course, the James Bond actor changes quite frequently, including recently Daniel Craig has stepped down from the role. 
But what I did was I watched from the first Sean Connery film, Dr. No, all the way up to the most recent James Bond film, Spectre it was at the time, because No Time to Die hadn't actually come out. And it was absolutely fantastic, because you almost felt like you were on a bit of a journey through time, starting back in the 1960s with Connery and coming all the way up to the 2010s with Daniel Craig, and, and now, of course, it is in the 2020s. So for me, that was really enjoyable. And during this time, you just forget anxiety. Well, I certainly did anyway. I just forgot my worries. I forgot what was irritating me, what was holding me back, what was making me feel nervous, stressed, worries, anything like that. I could just zone out and get completely enticed within the film. And it was absolutely fantastic, to be honest. I, I love watching films. For me, it is one of the, it's like, it's almost like a reward in that sense. Quite often late at night, if I've done work, I'll say to myself, okay, you've earned a film. And in the past, often on a Friday night, a Saturday night, a Sunday night with my parents, we would sit down and we would watch a film. It was a great activity. And I think over the years, I've watched a lot of rubbish films, don't get me wrong, but I think I've also watched some very good ones. And one of the reasons that I actually chose to get into journalism was about writing films. Of course, as I mentioned at the start, I don't actually think I'd be a great film critic because I'm not too critical. I'm, I'm far too complimentary of films and directors and the cast members, so it possibly wouldn't be my forte, but we never know what's going to happen. We never know where my career will take me, assuming I hopefully do get a career, of course. And a final pleasurable activity that I really enjoy is playing video games. Now, I grew up in a village, and because of that, there wasn't that much to do. Obviously, you could go outside, you could play football, but at the same time, there weren't big events happening nearby. You'd often have to get a bus, and growing up, obviously, before you hit 17, you can't actually drive. If your parents can't take you, you can sometimes be stuck indoors. So, fortunately, a lot of children my age took to video games, and I've absolutely loved it, to be honest. Similar to watching a film, it is a bit of escape from reality, but I can speak to people on these platforms like Xbox, PlayStation... Nintendo Wii, Nintendo DS, you can talk to friends and you can interact with them and play the same game. Again, during lockdown, this was absolutely fantastic. I'd connected with people who I'd never spoken to in years, people who'd never touched their consoles came back on. I was the same in that sense. I played during lockdown more than I think I ever have. And just getting to reconnect with people was great. Getting to play games again was great. And it was just a way to keep your mind off what was happening outside. And obviously, my anxiety was sort of forgotten about. I was very nervous about the COVID-19 pandemic, but when playing video games, when talking with people, when knowing that everybody was in the same situation, it helped to calm me down. And obviously I was playing a video game to take my mind off it. Now, I mentioned about how long these activities can last. I could play video games for hours on end. I have done all-nighters in the past playing video games. I've done all-dayers, if that is a thing as well. I don't think I've ever hit a full 24 hours. I think my my brain would probably switch off about 20 hours into that. But I have gone for very long periods at a time playing video games and it's absolutely fantastic. I love it, to be honest. I love playing video games. I love interacting with people. And in the same way that I mentioned with a film, quite often I'll use it as a sense of reward. At the weekend or if I finished a piece of work, I'll think, right, I'm going to jump on that. The, um, the funny example of that was back in high school where I was studying for exams and I told my mum that my PlayStation only existed to gather dust and I wasn't going to touch it until I finished exams. And that's exactly what I did. I remember at the time, my friends were always messaging me saying, come back on, why are you not on PlayStation? It's just exams coming up, come on. But I thought, nope, I need to keep my mind focused to this. Obviously, I was worrying and I was stressed out about the exams. But the day that I finished my final exam, which was history, I remember I came home, I went out for lunch after it, and then I came home and I just sat on my PlayStation. Again, unlike the laptop, I didn't break it. 
I just went onto the PlayStation and I must have played for hours on end, just knowing that I didn't need to worry about exams anymore. And at that time, as I'd finished sixth year, I didn't need to worry about school anymore. I had, in a sense, completed it. I was happy with that. My exam results weren't going to be coming for another few months, so I could just sit back and play video games during the summer. And that's exactly what I did. And it was absolutely fantastic interacting with people. And again, when I'm playing video games, I don't have anxiety. I don't have worries. It completely takes my mind off it. And it's fantastic. As I say, though, those are just the three activities that I do in terms of pleasurable activities. Quite often as well, people will go for a walk, as I previously mentioned. Some people may choose to read a book. Social activities can also count as pleasurable activities. I do that as well quite a lot. Going out with people, it's a good way to almost just de-stress, speak, chat interact with people, go to certain things, go out for a coffee, go to the cinema. Obviously these have changed during lockdown. So it can it can vary on what a person enjoys doing and how they choose to spend their free time. So for me specifically, running, watching a film and playing video games are the three most effective pleasurable activities that I use to cope with my anxiety. The final coping technique that I'm going to talk about in this podcast is emotional freedom technique, otherwise known as EFT, otherwise known as tapping. This is a treatment for physical pain or emotional distress. The technique is used to balance the energy in your system. And according to its developer, Gary Craig, an energy disruption is the cause of all negative emotions and pain within the body. What tapping involves is quite simply tapping on certain parts of your body, the meridian points, which are effectively the energy hotspots within your body. And what people will start to do is tap these points whilst also reciting phrases. These phrases will involve the negative emotion that people are feeling at the time, such as the fear of failure. If you're coming up to an exam or a test, you're possibly scared that you're going to fail it. Or perhaps another fear, such as social anxiety. And quite often people will recite these phrases, which of course is the negative emotion, whilst tapping on the body. The side of the hand is the first one that gets tapped upon, which is known as the karate chop point. The next one is the top of the head, then the eyebrow, the side of the eye, below the eye, below the nose, the chin, at the start of your collarbone and then underneath your arm. And you'll tap on each of these points three or four times or continuously. It doesn't exactly have a limit on how many times you should tap the points, but you don't want to tap it too often as well because it may be a little bit sore after a while. And as I say, while tapping on each of these points, one must keep repeating the previously chosen phrase regarding the negative emotion to remain focused on the problem that is hurting them or is causing them with anxiety. Now, before people actually begin doing EFT, they'll rate their negative emotion from zero to 10 on how badly it's affecting them. Quite often it can be high when people turn to EFT and therefore people will begin at around an eight, pushing upwards to a 10. I remember when I first came across EFT, it was actually at the same time I was looking to find ASMR. I was 16 and I had my first ever exams, my national five exams coming up and I was freaking out. I was very nervous about failing them. And I looked online to try and find relaxation methods and how to calm myself and I found EFT. And on that video, I learned about the fear of failure. That was what was irritating me. That was what was causing me pain and that was my negative emotion. So I was talking about how I was scared of failing. And through the tapping, I thought it was strange. I thought it looked a little bit odd. I'm tapping on certain parts of my body. How on earth is this going to help me calm down? How is this going to solve my anxiety? Quite often actually, people relate EFT to acupuncture with meridian points in the body. So I was very confused by this method, but as I say, I'm open to trying anything to help with my anxiety. So I gave it a try and it was absolutely fantastic. I loved it. I couldn't believe it by tapping on the body. By the first time I'd finished the cycle after tapping underneath my arm, I mean, let's, let's be real. When you're tapping all these certain points, it does look a little bit strange. But at the end of the day, as I say, it's the effect that it gives you rather than the way it makes you look. 
and by the first time I'd done this, I felt better instantly. On a scale of 0 to 10 at the start, I was thinking I was a 9 or a 10, I was feeling so nervous. And after doing EFT for the first time, it had lowered to around a 6 and a 7. And then doing it again, it had come down further. And I just kept doing it. And I threw different negative emotions at it as well. And it really helped me. And as I say, this is also an article on the website. I spoke about what EFT is. And I've also mentioned my experiences with it. As I say, I need to keep making this point because it is so important. EFT worked for me. That doesn't mean it's going to work for you. It doesn't mean it's going to work for that person or that person or that person. Every single person is unique and therefore not everything will work and other things will work. It just comes down to what works best for you. So don't ever be angry or upset if a certain coping technique works for somebody and it doesn't work for yourself. That was how I felt initially. I was a bit annoyed at the way other people didn't have anxiety. They were able to get on with certain events and not be affected by it at all. Whereas I, on the other hand, struggled badly with certain things such as social anxiety and also the nerves kicking in before a test. And that is the thing. Everybody is different and everybody is unique. And I think with that, I'm going to bring the third episode of the My Mind Matters podcast to an end. I would like to thank you if you've stuck around this long to listening and I hope you've enjoyed hearing about certain coping techniques. Of course, the four that I have mentioned are not the only coping techniques that exist and there are far more. All four that I have mentioned today though will feature in article form on the website so be sure to check those out. Now I'm going to give you a little bit of a tease before the next episode as by the time the next episode is happening we will be into December and therefore I'm going to make a Christmas themed My Mind Matters podcast. Here I'll be discussing my thoughts on Christmas, why I love the occasion and also what impact it has on my anxiety. I'd like to thank you for now and I'll see you next time.